0: Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve.
1: All right, I just want to thank everybody for being here tonight, helping me stay sober one more day. I'd like to start out with the set-aside prayer. God, please set aside everything I think I know about you, me, the 12 steps, essay, recovery, living life, and especially spiritual matters so that I may have an open mind for a new experience with all these things. Please help me see the truth. Amen. Um, As I sit here, my, here, my daughter just came in. She's with my wife. She's 22 and she just broke up with her boyfriend. So I hear tears and uh, I, it disturbs me. I feel some sadness around that, but I'm really glad to be here where I can be of, of maximum service to God and his people and you know it says on page 72 my real purpose is to fit myself to be of maximum service to god and my fellows so my purpose isn't to be of maximum service to god and my fellows my real purpose is to fit myself and that's what this conversation and talk is tonight when eric called me i thought what do i want to share about what's kind of new and fresh for me what's changed and everything changed when I realized what my real disease is. And I wanted to share that tonight so that you don't go away, that you understand um, how I can see it. And when I, when this came to my, into my view, everything I read in the big book, I'm like, wow, there it is right there. And I'd never noticed. I've read this book. I don't know how many times went through the step work several times. And um, so I want to talk uh, really about what it means to be leaving the present and how important it is to be in the present. I I think it would be helpful though, to go through and to, you know, we, we come step one pretty much shows us our disease that I have a physical ailment that if I take any less whatsoever into my body, something happens. And the obsession for me is immediate. I may not be in seven years into this, May not feel it exactly in that moment, but the next day I'm like, whoa, what happened here? Why am I all of a sudden starting to go, oh, well, you took a drink? So that's the physical side. Uh, We Agnostics talks about, it's not there to introduce me to a higher power. It's actually there to introduce me to the power that I've been using all along. And I I couldn't see it. They call it in there, if you read through We Agnostics, it's the God of Reasoning. Um, I didn't realize that this God of Reasoning is what's been running my life. It's what's defeating me. So I get to I read through We Agnostics. I get to page 60. And this is where just a complete revelation has really opened up for me and how I can just see it in all aspects of my life. If you want to get your big books out, it's um, the fourth edition. We're going to start on page 60. If you have a highlighter or a pen, I think it would be helpful if you made some marks in your book, if you're willing to mark in there just what really helped me, which was given to me by David G. Um, on the last uh, paragraph of page 60, and this is where it says here, it says the first requirement is that I be convinced, like there's no doubt that I fully understand this, is that any life run on, and it says self-will, if you'll put an apostrophe S there and read can run on self's will can hardly be a success. So when I read it now, the first requirement is that we be convinced that any life run on self's will can hardly be a success. That lets me see right there that this isn't me it's talking about. It's a, it's this self that's been defeating me all along and I couldn't see it. It's camouflaged, it's hidden. I don't see it operating in the background. I've always believed it was me. But yeah, I'm going to find out as we go through this. It has nothing to do with the lust the prostitutes, the acting out, the all of this other stuff, that has absolutely nothing to do with my disease. And that's why sober isn't well. But it does tell me that any life run on self's will can hardly be success. And it says on that basis, we are almost always in collision with something or somebody. And that's exactly what we're going to find as we go through here and look at this. So page 61, if you go through there and just really look at that where they're talking about this self as being a separate. Um, It's just constantly how it is um, constantly working to get what I need because it's doing God's job. It's trying to take care of me. But the problem is, is it takes me out of the present. What you're going to find as we go through this more is that self either has me into the future or has me in the in the future with a full of fear or in the past with a lot of resentment and self-pity. Top of page 62, first paragraph it shows me what this self really is because it's, and I would say self's, which is selfishness and self-centeredness. It says that we think is the root of our troubles. And when I look at a root, a root is the first thing that comes out of a seed and starts feeding that seed. And then it feeds the plant and then feeds the tree. So what is this root of self feeding mean? It goes on to tell me, it says that I'm being driven by, I'm not doing the driving. I'm being driven by this self. And what is it feeding me? A hundred forms of fear, which takes me into the future. Self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity. So I'm starting to see that, well, well, what is this self? And it starts, uh, starts really showing me in the book here. It starts talking about this self. It says, so our troubles, we think, on the next paragraph, are basically of our own making. They rise out of this self. And the sexaholic is an extreme example of self's will run riot. Though we just don't think so. Above everything, we must be rid of this self. We muster. It kills us. And God makes that possible. I I have not known how much self has been defeating me. And before I go on to the next paragraph, I want to just switch over to 64 It's the second paragraph down about halfway through. It says, first, we searched out the flaws in our makeup, which caused our failure. It says, being convinced that self, here it's telling me it again, manifested in various ways was what had defeated me. So it's telling me right there. It's not the lust, the alcohol, the acting out. None of that's the problem. It's this self. Or else you would say, lust has defeated me or alcohol has defeated me. It said, we considered its common manifestation. So now it's not even referring, me is referring to its common manifestations, which are a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, and self-seeking and self-pity. So if we go back at the very bottom of 62, this is where we take our third step. And this is where we really start seeing of what the decision we're making here is. This is the how and why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God the way I'm playing God is that I'm listening to the narrative. That's always running with self. It's constantly convincing me that people are mean to me, that people don't like me, that people don't want to be around me. It's convincing me that something in the future, I'm going to lose something that I have or not get something that I think I need. Um, It's going to keep me in self pity. And I become the, Um, The victim, I play the great victim role and I use anybody around me that's close enough to be near me to turn them into the one that's doing the harming. So I can say, look at what they've done to me and actually take efforts to turn people against them all in an effort so that self won't be exposed. That's the purpose of it. It's it's so masterful at self delusion that I believe that's me. So it says that we had to quit playing God. And the, and the third step, here it is. It didn't work. My life doesn't work. And what we call unmanageability, I'd like to call destruction. So it says here, next, I decided to hereafter in this drama life, God was going to be my director. No longer is self going to run the show. That God is going to be my director. And it says that. He is the principal, we are his agents. He is the father and we are his children. Most good ideas are simple in this concept. What's the concept? That I'm not going to be reacting and and acting upon the narrative that self is running, that I'm going to just let God have that place. I'm going to ask God to surrender it. So this concept was a keystone of a new and triumphant arts through which we passed to freedom. It says at the next top of the page, when we sincerely took such a position, Step three, which means I made a decision that God's going to run my life. All sorts of remarkable things followed. We have a new employer being all powerful. He provided now what I need. If we kept close to him, which means that I'm not back to listening to the self, the narrative, getting all tangled up and performed his work well, which means when I'm in the present. God is running my life. I feel peace and serenity. The natural outpouring of that is to be of service to other and be used by God. We drop down. It says a couple sentences as I felt new power flow in. That's what happens when I disconnect from self. I'm immediately connected to the sunlight, to the power, to God. And I feel new power flowing in. I enjoy peace of mind because I have peace and serenity. I'm not listening to the insanity of the self. It says, and I discover I can face life successfully because I'm not running my life anymore. Now I get to go along and allow God to run my life, have the hand of God take care of me. And this is the beautiful one right here. And this is the one that I become most sensitive to. And I become conscious of his presence. And as we begin, and I begin to lose my fear of today, tomorrow, and the hereafter, because we were reborn. When I believe that self can't exist in the light, it can't exist in that truth. So what it does is it has to get me out of the present and get me into the future, worried about what's going to happen next. this That's me trying to uh, have anxiety. Or it's going to bring me into the past or or look at everybody else's as the problem it says on page 90 of the 12 and 12 that anytime i'm disturbed it's always something in me so how do i detect if this if this disturbance is is happening that's how i detect whether self is trying to reemerge the minute that i listen to the narrative or that i leave the present I'm isolated and walking alone again. I'm back in darkness. I'm not with other other fellows in the fellowship. I'm by myself trying to run the show again. And that's the immediate insanity that I go back into. And that's where I'm living in self-centered fear. But when I go to the present, don't listen to the narrative, I'm living in god-centered love. Step 2 becomes a reality. I have been restored to sanity. It says on page 84, um, after at the bottom of the tenth step, it says that, and we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even self or lust or alcohol, for by this time sanity will have returned. That's how that's the difference between insanity or san or, or the sanity is when I'm connected into the present. Now, the longer I'm there and enjoying God's presence. Man, I know when I get wrapped up in something that self is feeding me, because I feel this, this uncomfortableness in my body. And I'm like, God, what's going on? Well, I'm disconnected from God. So as I start that process of I make a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God, the way I have found that's only possible is to continue into the work of steps four through nine. And if you read the top of. Uh, cause it does say this as we, as we take our third step prayer, what does it say when we look in the middle of 63? It says, God, I offer myself or this self to thee. It doesn't say I offer my lust. It doesn't say I offer my alcohol or drugs. Right there, it tells me the third step. What is the real problem that I'm offering? When you look up the word offer, it means to sacrifice. I have to be willing because my higher power is a perfect gentleman and will not come in and override my free will. So I have to be willing to offer that up and to allow God's power. God makes that possible because it tells me to do with me, to build with me and do with me as I will. That's scary. When I first came in this program, I thought, whoa, I don't know what that means or looks like. It says, next thing, relieve me of the bondage of self. That's what I'm asking for. So I'm asking for this self to be taken away. So I, it, in the bottom of that, page, it says, but this was only a beginning. It means it. this is the only the beginning. Once I make that decision, I have to keep going further. And at the top of page 64, it tells us that though our decision, it's, it's on the first line there, though our decision, which is to quit playing God, to quit listening to the narrative and to watch that and to stay connected and to pray was a vital and crucial step, but it could have little permanent effect unless at once followed by a strenuous effort to face and be rid of the things where in ourselves, this self, which had been blocking us. So what's been blocking me, this self all along has been blocking me, trying to keep me out of the present. It can't stand the light. Resentment is the number one offender. And it tells me on page 66, that first full paragraph is what we call the death threat paragraph. And it tells me about halfway through that. For when harboring such feelings, which are resentments, which means that self is reemerged, that I'm somehow tangled up, listening to what I'm believing that the other person is the problem. And remember, a resentment is usually from an expectation and an expectation is a resentment that is forming because I have some expectation of everybody else like the actor to benefit me because now I'm taking care of them. I'm doing God's job again. And they need to do what I need them to do. So I'm okay. Doesn't work. Five minutes. Thank you. So it says that for when harboring such feelings as resentment, we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the spirit. There it is. That's the present where I need to be. The insanity tells me if I'm shut off, I'm taken out of the present. What happens next? Well, I need to medicate because I'm suffering. When I'm not in the present, I'm in a constant state of suffering. It says that. The insanity of lust returns and I drink again. I act out and with us to drink is to die. When I'm, when I'm sober and not in the present, I'm just suffering and all those people around me are suffering from this invisible beam of self that's making them sick. When I go into the present, into the light and God runs my life, now there's this fountain that's actually a healing fountain. And so I have to work steps four through nine, the spiritual program of action to remove the blockers and working those steps is shows me what self looks like. So when I get to step 10 and it says on page 84 that we continue to watch for what? For selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. Why? Because those are the manifestations of self. It doesn't say to continue to watch for lust and temptations. It says continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. And it gives us four instructions. We ask God at once to remove them. We discuss them with someone immediately. We make amends quickly if we've harmed anyone. And then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. Steps four and nine right there in a nutshell. Then we continue to work. 10, 11, and 12 daily, because that's what helps us live in a fit. That's what helps me be fit spiritually. And so we see that the problem has been removed. The problem has never been alcohol or a lack of faith in God or any of that. Time I'm okay. The problem has always been a lack of power. And the reason I have a lack of power is because self is always in the background giving me some narration that everybody else is the problem everybody else is the problem. I'll tell you, I just did another four step on this whole self-concept. and I was I was writing out some things that my first one was years ago, and I was rewriting them out and oh this office staff, I, you know they hated me, they didn't want me to be around and you know, I asked these questions about self. I want people that I want to be friends. I want people to want me to be around and be their friends. And so there's a bunch of questions that we ask as we do that third column. And right when I was writing all this out about this, I thought, oh, my God, those people. And it just hit me. I am the one that doesn't like me. I'm the one that hates me. It's not them. It's this self. And it just came so clear to me. I thought. They never felt like that. And I see how I use people in our fellowship to be pawns early on to, so that I could see, see what they're doing to me and making me, I was the victim. It's just self has destroyed my life. And so I have to continue to watch so that as it reemerges, I can see that I'm getting very sick again. Um, If I'm to the point where I'm lusting, I am so far down that road. Like normally you know, I'll I'll get upset about something. Well, if if my wife is unwell or says something or somebody is I'm upset, I got one choice. Pray for that person. Or I listen to self and go into the wheels of turning and wind up um out of the present, starting suffering, and then I'll start getting into control, trying to control things. I'll get into self-pity. I can get into, you know score keeping and see what they're doing to me. And then if I stay in there long enough, lust will come with a silver platter and say, here, this will relieve you. Self will come and say, this is what will help you. And if I am so far gone in self, it will sound like a great idea because the most natural thing as a sexaholic for me to do is to drink in lust. Um, So long before I get to where I'm lusting, I I have to do a daily spot check inventory by staying connected to see if self is reemerging. And if I can do that and stay connected, it's amazing how I I heard this quote this morning. Uh, It was beautiful. And I'd like to just read it. It's amazing how everything changes to where people aren't the problem that they I can see that they're just. It says. Um, uh, let's see. Nope. I got, didn't get that. Oh, well. I can't see it now. Here it is right here. I'll I'll quit here. Anything anyone says or does is an expression of love or a call for love. And either way, both deserve a loving response. Now, the last thing I'll say is there there's, if you look up Dr. Bob's humility plaque, when I'm in, when I'm in the present, this is what it's like. Humility is perpetual quietness of heart. It is to have no trouble. It is never to be fretted or vexed, irritable or sore, to wonder at nothing that is done to me, to feel nothing done against me. It is to be at rest when nobody praises me. And when I am blamed or despised, it is to have a blessed home in myself where I can go in and shut the door and kneel to my father in secret and be at peace as in a deep sea of calmness when all around and about, is seeming trouble. And that's where I want to live. That's where a peace of mind exists. So I appreciate the opportunity to be here to stay sober one more day. And thank you all. Wow.
2: Thanks, Dennis. Thank,
3: Dennis. thank you Dennis. so much, Dennis. That is wonderful. Okay. Thank you, Dennis. Um, we're going to uh, start uh, with questions and comments. So uh, first, I'll read the preamble. In participation, we avoid topics that can lead to dissension or distraction. We also avoid explicit sexual descriptions and sexually abusive language. The emphasis is on honesty, recovery, and healing, how to apply the 12 steps and traditions in our daily lives. No crosstalk, please. If someone feels another is getting too explicit, they may so signify by quietly raising their hand. Um, And also all participants in the first part of this meeting will be members of SA who have been sexually sober for 30 days or more. We do this to help set the tone on recovery and program. After that, any member may share. And we do use the hand raise signal and I see that we have hands raised. So what I would like you to do is to monitor yourself, maybe have two, three minutes max for your share Dennis has no time limit on his response or comments. So take it away, Ivan.
2: Thank you, Ilona. Uh, Dennis, thank you so much for your share. Hello from Singapore. I'm always very honored to hear you share and uh, you have so much wisdom. My question is, I, I will not ask my default question, which is your morning routine, because I think, you have once shared that very powerful newcomer suggestions which basically like details you know if if i remember if you followed that you know chances of you staying sober are very high i have taken that and shared it numerous times to everybody and it has been such a treasure so thank you for that my question to you is this actually before i ask my question what your what your share is something that is very deep and gets subtle at the same time. That is something that deep recovery brings about. In acting out in, in much of your share, you talk about the ego, the self, to be present, not in the past, not in the future. And that is something that I have also, uh, through the recovery, and also through reading a lot of books, one of which, again, is non-conference approved, but The Power of Now by Ekatole. Oh. It details exactly what you've been talking about. So my question is this, uh, because this, is, I believe for me, it's a state at which to be in, to be present. And for me, it takes work. For me, it, it involves meditation and reading scripture. Uh, uh journaling you know step inventories so i'd like to hear from you how what do you do practical ways for you to, that you do to s- remain in that state because for me it actually takes a lot of work to be present be like really present and i'll just end by saying i'm sorry if this is a long ramble but like you're exactly right To be in that state, to be in the present where you're not thinking about the past, not worrying about the future, it's such a beautiful and peaceful place to be. So, yeah, what do you do to get in that state? Thank you, sir.
1: Well, I'll just give you something fresh, and that way it'll be current. Because like you said, it's it's all about working the program, staying active in the program, going to meetings, uh, reading literature, being of service, but... My wife struggles with the holidays. I put that poor woman through so much pain. And while we were coming home after a little date, um, she said something that was unkind. And instead of recognizing that she's hurting and sad, I made that about me. I'm back in self. And one of the things that I did, instead of going to God immediately and praying for her, the thought came to mind that I would play Download downloaded and add this video game that I used to play a lot of online gaming. And to me, it's like a drug. I mean, it's just absolutely a drug. And the minute I connected to it, I was like, <gasps> and the next day um, I felt so much discomfort and I thought, God, what's going on? Cause we were okay now, but I didn't realize that I opened up a door to medicate and Lust hadn't came in yet, right? Because it's coming. But what that feeling I felt was, man, I don't feel God's presence right now. I'm disconnected from God. That's what the awareness is. is, is It's beautiful when I'm connected there, and it's more recognizable when I'm not. And I immediately thought, oh, I know what I need to do. As much as I love play, I went and and uh, what do you uninstall that? The minute I uninstalled that, I was back. So for me, it's like, what am I willing to sacrifice right now that's keeping me from that connection? And if you pray, God will show you. And it's probably what he shows me is something I don't want to see sometimes. But for me, it's like every time I sacrifice something for God or for me, I get more of God out of it. So I think that was what I would say that because self tries to reemerge every day. Um, and it just depends on how much am I working this program? And it's not about doing more of something. It's about surrender. It's about really, it's just about becoming aware when I'm getting tangled up. And the best way to do is, is for me is there's a, when I'm disturbed, self is reemerging and the tools that we learn in four through nine are beautiful. And I get to pray for the people. And that's the one that sometimes I don't want to in that moment when I feel hurt because I'm back in self. So um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a process. And the longer I've been in recovery, the more that I get to stay in present be present, but it's not for me. Self is the disease and I'm not cured of it, but I have tools now that I don't have to stay in it. Thank you, brother. I'm good seeing you, Ivan. Thank you, you,
2: Dennis. God bless you. That was beautiful. I bless you too.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Shivam, I'm sorry. Go ahead. That's done. That's for me to say.
2: <laughs> Thank you, Dennis. Thanks for your talk. Uh, it was amazing, and uh, I really identified with that. And uh, treating others as forms in the program, I that really speaks to me. Is that that's how that's how that's how it goes with me. And uh, I don't know if I ha- if I have a question, but certainly. Uh, uh, a lot of things in your talk, the gaming and all of that really, really spoke to me. Um, if I have a question, I would be, I would ask this, how do you do your step 10 on a nightly basis, on a daily basis, uh, yeah. other than, um, yeah, just go ahead, just on you know, that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, just real quick. And I think you just nailed something that's most important is on the top of page 86, when it says, when we retire at night, that's the nightly inventory. Um, And that's not when I get ready to get in bed. It's too late. I'm too tired. Normally I'm in bed by nine and sleep. So I'm, I'm past my bedtime here, but it says we constructively review, not destructively. So it gives me an opportunity to ask these questions of, you know, where was I resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid. And this is a type of meditation that I ask God in prayer to show me. And in meditation, I listen to God's answer. And when I answer those questions every night, What's amazing is I go through my day during the day. Those are so ingrained in me from doing it for so long and sending them out every night. As I go through my day, I already know, oops, I was just not kind because, you know, were we kind and loving toward all? That's not outwardly. That's also inwardly. Did I have some judgment? that I judge somebody? They don't know it, but it goes on my list because um, it lets me see my attitude and my what's going on in my heart. So that that's a beautiful thing to do is find somebody, send that to them every night, your sponsor, preferably that way they can kind of see where you're at. But it really lets me see to do the spot check inventory on 10 to see if self is reemerging, because that's really that's my disease. The minute I'm, I'm back connected to it is I'm back in my insanity and everybody is the problem. Then it's not me. And that's why on my on my big book early on, a guy told me, I didn't really understand it that much, but he said, you know, it's not them, Dennis. And I wrote that on my big book early on. It's not them. They're not the problem. If they're the problem, there's no solution. Thank you, Shivam.
2: Thank you. Uh, just like sephoric, I will be really brave. Uh, Dennis, thank you very much for your sharing. Thank you very much for your help. You also support for me from my several times, so help me several times. And I love this message you said just now today, that the problem will never disappear, because the problem is not a loss. The problem is me, myself, and all the character, are manifestation of myself. This is why I have to work on them. I have to deliver inventory. I love this message. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you, brother. I appreciate that
4: um yeah hi my name is uh, eric and sexolic um yeah thanks uh dennis for uh for being with us uh for a second time after a year and yeah. uh, i think next time we, the interval should be shorter because uh, i think uh listening to your story is always uh, so good um, um I have a request: uh, whether whether your shares can be slower because the density of what you're saying is so incredible that it, it's hard to follow uh, um, every word. But it's recorded, so I can listen again. So thanks very much. It's it's so inspiring, um, and also the topic of today I like that uh, very much. What you brought in, and I I have a, a critical question uh, there, where I struggle. Um, My profession is um, I'm I'm working in the creative industry. I have to sort of um, invent things with my mind. It means that I have to sort of um, live in the future professionally in a way. I have to have uh, developed sort of expectations of how people will react react to my uh, what I'm designing or have to sort of imagine how they will um, what they are looking for, all those kind of things and um it's surrounded with fear i see that um and as you say expectation is a resentment in the forming or something like that you said which is very inspiring mm-hmm. to me and um but so i struggle with the thought well am i am i in the wrong profession it, doesn't my profession make me live too much in a wrong place um and so my question is how what is your advice or how do you look at how to deal in a healthy way with expectations or planning just on a functional level? And how do I sort of see the difference between healthy ways of living in the future and unhealthy living ways of in the future? That's my question. Thanks.
1: Yeah. Thank you for that. I mean, there is a healthy fear if I walk up to the edge of a cliff and I feel like, Ooh, that's healthy fear. Um, But And I've been exactly where you're at. I think the difference is is if self is bringing me into the future about what I need to get done, I'm full of anxiety and I'm really short-circuited. I used to have to go do um, some very big negotiations with people that were very high-powered, high-paid people that were going to be on the other side of the table with me. I was not at their level at all. And when I would go into those uh, situations... If I had fear, I could just call myself and say, God, I'll just take the next step and leave the results up to you. If I went in with this anxiety, man, I, I, I can't think straight. I get confused. But if I go in being in the present, you know, I do have to prepare for those, like my part of the things. But if I go in and I give that to God, what the difference is, is the intuitive thinking. The creativity is off the charts. I mean, it's stuff that I know when God's running the show, it's amazing how the stuff that comes out of me, I know is straight up from God. So being able to recognize my need for God in those moments, especially if I, like you say, I have a, you have a big project to just take that moment, go into the present and say, God, I'm just going to give this all to you and just let it just like sink in and then just start the process of whatever you got to do, relying upon God. And it's amazing how, when he shows up, it's, it's just crazy. Um And then people will come and go, Whoa, that's some of the best work you've ever done. Or they'll, you know, and, and I know where that comes from. It definitely comes from God. So I think that would be the difference. At least if I understand your question that I've experienced, um, being in self, a lot of times the outcome was mediocre or less. Um, but when I did it going in centered and allowing God to have complete control, man, what sometimes comes out was just like, you know, amazing. And even I'm like, Oh, wow, where did that come from? I know where it comes from. I think that the natural gifting that God has designed you, So I think when self is taken out of the picture, we're exactly as God has intended and designed us to be. We're already made how we're to be and the gifting that we have. And then we just get to rely on God on, on the outcome. If it's terrible, then that's God's will. And maybe he's closing the door to move me into something else. I just have to be willing to go along for that ride without resisting and trying to take back over the control. there's a story about a circus performer, the difference between faith and trust. And everybody watches the guy 50 feet off. There's no nets, no things. And he's going to push a wheelbarrow across the rope and everybody's like, Oh, but they have faith. He's going to make it. They don't really think he's going to fall, but trust comes into my willing to climb up there and get in that wheelbarrow and let him push me across. No. So when God shuts a door on me that I'm thinking, no God, this is what I'm wanting. Why is this closing? If I'll just get in that wheelbarrow center myself, get back in, go to God where he's taking me. When that door opens, I'm like, Oh, he would have never had this gift for me if this door hadn't closed. If I stayed where I was at and many times God has moved me and I didn't get angry and like fight it. I just go with it. And and the, God has always moved me into a better place financially educate everything. Every time he's moved me, It's always been right where he needs me or wants me because that's my purpose is to fit myself. But then to just be like, hey, God, where do you want to take me today? And What's, you know, what's going on and to trust him. And that's, that's, I would say my answer.
4: Thank you, Dennis. That's very encouraging. Thank you.
1: And thank you for telling me about, I'll try on the next time to slow down because I've asked speakers that same thing. So I didn't realize I was doing that, but thank you for sharing that with me. I appreciate that
3: thank you so much dennis and i my hand it, it was writing as rapidly as i could uh, i'm not i don't take shorthand or do anything like that but i appreciate uh your share um my question to you is i'm currently uh experiencing some family of origin stuff mm-hmm. and um even uh, as as recent as this morning i was out breakfast with my husband and I started discussing my younger sister and my younger sister lives in another country. We don't speak to each other. We, the last time we saw each other was at my father's funeral six years ago. Um, but she has all of a sudden, uh, just cut me out of her life for some perceived, uh, perception of something I've done. And I know it has got nothing to do with me, but what do I need to do? to get rid of this resentment um and to just honor who i am and let her be who she is
1: yeah beautiful well that's what the four-step prayer work is exactly about and in the bottom of 67 um it gives us two prayers there when we're doing our no 67 yeah yeah uh, 66 at the bottom of 66 top of 67. It gives us two prayers. I, you, the answer is to pray for that person. You know, and the prayer work shows me that God helped me to realize that this person is perhaps spiritually sick, just like me. And God helped me to show them the same tolerance, pity and patience I would cheerfully grant a sick friend in the hospital. And then I jump back to 552 because that to me is a very, very powerful. I always have my sponsors say, what would you want from God for yourself? And then write that out. You know, I I pray for them because I would like to have joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. But it says here, if you'll pray for the person or the thing that you resent, you will be free. If you will ask in prayer for everything you want for yourself to be given to them, you will be free. Um, And I won't read it all there because you can read that. But I recently had a sponsee call and he is beside himself. He was in a courtroom with a man. His daughter was an ex-boyfriend that they had long gone. when well, he came back and raped her. And he called me from the courtroom and he was beside himself. He wanted to kill this man. And I said, I hear you, bro. I said, will you consider praying for him? He said, what? I said, will you consider praying for this man? Everything that you would want for yourself. He did not want to do that. But he prayed for him and the next day again, he prayed for him again. And, and I'm telling you, he said, Dennis, I feel completely different about this man. A complete, he was free, right? Um, so that's the key to any resentment is the willingness to pray for the person you're resenting so that you are free. We don't forgive others because they may deserve forgiveness, but we deserve peace. And that's why we got to pray for them. So I think that would be my answer for that is that, you know, when I get around family and they want to bring up controversial topics, especially with everything that's going on. Like my brother had my mom in tears and I was next in line. He called me and, well, did you know this is not true? And I said, and all I said to him, because he told me to look up on this uh, website and you can see that this isn't true. I looked it up and it was exactly opposite of what he was saying. And I said to him, man, Jimmy, thank you for sharing that. That's all I say to people when they want to bring up politics or this or what's going on outside issues. I say, hey, well, thank you for sharing that. I say, hey, did you ever get that new blah, blah, blah? And it's like, oh, yeah, change the subject. I'm not qualified to discuss those types of topics because I'll get into a resentment and you know I get all beside myself. So for me, um, when it comes to family, you know, I, I, I get to pray for them. And, and and like you said, you get to have self-care and maybe set certain boundaries too that are not there. Boundaries are not there to control them, but they're there to take care of ourselves. And that's what we have to remember. If they're, there is a weapon or to try and control, they're not there, but you I get to take care of myself around certain people.
3: Thanks, Dennis. Um, are you able to stay a few minutes in the parking lot? Because we have a couple of hands raised.
1: You bet. I sure can. Okay,
3: terrific. All right. That's all the time we have for sharing, Um, but please. I would
0: like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com